Cannabis Commerce continues to cultivate new markets for adventurous entrepreneurs. CannabisRadio.com welcomes the adventurous to cannabis and commerce. Presented by GreenBiz.com. This show brings together cannabis entrepreneurs and industry experts to discuss today's important cannabis issues. Our discussions will chronicle the challenges faced by cannabis owners and the battles surrounding cannabis nationwide. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to Cannabis and Commerce. Today, I'm joined by my colleagues and my partners, uh, close friends of mine, who I have been working in this, uh, this industry with since the beginning of our time here for 15 months. My name is Josh Miller. I'm a member of the Green Consulting Group. Uh, today, we have joined with us Maziar Mameni of the Green Consulting Group, Nick Braid of the Green Consulting Group, and Soham Shah of the Cannabis Commodities Exchange. Nick, Maz, and I are also a part of the Cannabis Commodities Exchange. And so today, we're going to be discussing some issues we've seen inside of those businesses. Maz, Nick, Soham, welcome. How are you doing? So, Maz, uh, Maz, first, will you tell us a little bit about yourself and what brought you into the cannabis industry? Absolutely. I'm from Las Vegas originally. I uh, ended up at law school at the University of Arizona, where I met Josh and Nick uh, in our third year of law school, our final final year. Uh, the, all the cannabis was pushing forward, cannabis rules were pushing forward in Colorado, and we really didn't want to miss this industry. We thought we'd really regret it if we didn't get in on the ground floor. So uh, we decided to start working on cannabis-related projects in law school. We took on PTSD in the state of Arizona, and uh, through our endeavors there, uh, formed the Green Consulting Group, and uh, that's where I am now. Very nice. Nick, you have anything to add to that? Uh, just that we were fortunate enough while we were in law school to work with uh, Ken Sobel, who is currently the manager of the Green Halo, one of Tucson's first dispensaries. Uh, he was also an attorney, and being law school students, it was very beneficial for us to meet somebody who was going down the same path that we envisioned ourselves and who could kind of mentor us along the way. Um, him and his current and then paramour, Nurse Heather, uh, have really been influential in shaping the way we look at the industry, the way we interact in, with the industry, and uh, generally just the way we do business. So it was very fortunate to, uh, despite being in Arizona, not what you think of as a hotbed of cannabis commerce or the cannabis industry, uh, we were able to find what we needed to take us to the places where we needed to go. Very nice. And uh, Nick and Maz, uh I guess you guys know this, but it's been a little while. A couple of shows back, we talked with Ken and Heather about our, our battle with PTSD and our fight to try and get that added as a qualifying condition. So yeah, with Nick, Maz, and myself, uh, we all really got an introduction into this industry and what it could become. Uh, Nick, anything else about you? Where are you from? Where'd you go to school before we met? Uh, yes, I uh, was born in Chicago, Illinois, suburbs thereof, but you've never heard of Park Ridge. Um, went to Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, where I studied finance and uh, it was during the course of my studies in finance that I was actually required to take a business law class. I was so interested in it. I took the second uh, course of that study and really every business law class that was open to undergraduates and um, knew immediately that I had to go to law school to learn the business side of things and how the interplay between law and business really affects the way uh, the economy works and how commerce is carried out. That's what brought him to law school. Maz and I met Nick in law school along with one of our other partners to the audience is Matt Robbie. Uh, today we also have with us Soham Shah. Uh, Soham, why don't you introduce yourself and talk about how you play into this equation? Definitely. Um, 
I'm here. I'm from Denver. I'm a Denver native. I was born uh, just outside of downtown. Uh, I went to school in, in, at the University of Colorado here in state for a couple years in Boulder um, and studied finance and economics there and ultimately decided to transfer to complete my undergrad at uh, the University of Arizona. And in my final year of studying finance and management information systems at the Eller College of Management is when I met Nick and eventually Moz and Josh and Robbie as well. And I had, on my own, arrived at a similar a similar crossroads that Moz described earlier, where legalization was, was in effect. It was happening. Regulations were being drafted. Uh, and it was lining up right around the time that we were all graduating, uh, these guys from law school and myself from, from undergrad business school. And as we started talking, we, we realized we all had our sights set on moving to Colorado. I wanted to move back to Colorado, it being my home and, and one of the the ground zeros for this industry and uh, the consulting group here saw the same opportunity. So we came up here together. Uh, we kind of immersed ourselves into the industry together, met people, networked, learned how it worked. Um, and through the course of that, the, the idea for this exchange came through a conversation with a, a Boulder dispensary owner. And uh, as we discussed it, we, we really beefed up the concept, realized what we needed to do to make this industry more efficient and, and make it a more legitimate place and uh, keep the legalization ball rolling to other states. And once we had that, we found our developer, we developed it, we launched the application at the Cannabis Cup here in Denver this year. Um, and within a few months, we uh, had started to expand into Washington's uh, retail game as well. And uh, that's where we are today. Very nice. So, um, so um, when Moz and I were broke down in Washington, we, we recorded a show. And so the audience got to learn a little bit about the exchange, but really just in passing. Can you really briefly uh, explain to us what the Cannabis Commodities Exchange is? Sure. The, the Cannabis Commodities Exchange is an online wholesale platform for licensed cannabis businesses. Uh, and it applies to businesses here in Colorado where we have a separate marketplace for medical and, and retail and as well to our, our Washington retail market. And each of these marketplaces is separate to ensure there's no crossing of inventory or any type of interstate commerce. Um, and we do the due diligence on the licensees that are that are onboarded onto our platform to make sure that everybody that's using it is legally permitted to do so. And a lot of people in this industry, the way they do wholesale business is just by the phone. There's no central platform for them to do side-by-side -side comparisons of product and pricing and test results. And so we wanted to bring that evolution about in the industry. Uh, and so it was really a lot of that seed, and we've helped him support and grow that. All right, so we're going to get back to you towards the end of the show, but I want to get back to Nick and Maz. The three of us, along with Robbie, have been doing some work in Illinois recently. Our consulting group has helped prepare applications, one in Nevada and then a couple in Illinois, and really a little more intensive work in Illinois. Can you guys talk more about that application process, what kind of documents it entails, and what people, maybe what people getting into this business should be looking for as they try to develop their team, their resources, and whatnot. I'm going to let Mozzie uh, take that, but just to preface this, in, in case there's any potential clients listening, we had this happen. Please don't come to us a week before the applications are due and say, let's get this done. Uh, the first thing you need to know about this process is involved. It's time-consuming, it's complicated, it's a pain in our ass, and so please give us the time we need to make it happen. 
It is. It's a very intensive uh, process. And I think Nick brings up another point we probably should mention to our audience is that Nick and Maz are attorneys. They may give some advice on the show based on our industry, but none of this advice should be construed as legal advice. Um, what we're trying to provide here is an insight to what's going on in the industry and the lessons we've learned. But none of it should be construed as strict legal advice for you or your business. Um, Maz, you want to tell us a little more about the, the application process and what that entailed? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of forms and manuals, operation guides. How are you going to run your business? What is your team going to look like? Where's your location? What does that look like? I'd say the most important aspects, if you're a potential applicant out there, the most important aspects are uh, lining up your team, who's going to, you know, if you're going to do a cultivation operation, who's going to grow, uh, who's going to manage the operation, who's the CEO, what's their role, uh, and also your location. You know, is it, is it an adequate location? Is it zoned properly? Does it meet the local restrictions? Those are the two, uh, what seem to be the two most important aspects as we've done a couple different uh, state application processes. Those two keep popping up. They're weighted heavily and also uh, po- probably the most difficult to, uh, to get right. You know, I mean, it's, it's really hard to find a suitable location. Uh, and then on top of that, to find a suitable location that has a landlord that's willing to, to participate or at least allow you to participate in this industry uh, using their facility. So I, I would say those are, those are the really big things and things that need to be hammered, hammered away. Really. What about money, too? I mean, some of these that we've worked in are really expensive processes. Can you guys talk about like the estimations of how much money these people needed to start these? Well, for the Illinois process, you were required, if you were uh, having a dispensary application, to have $400,000 liquid in the bank under the control of either the company or the company's principals. If you were doing a cultivation application in Illinois, you needed 2.5, and these numbers are per location. So for each application you threw in the ring, you needed either 400000 or 2.5. Then you have to take into account that there are application fees. Illinois was $5,000. And if you're going to line up a building, a team, and have 2.5 to 400 in the bank liquid, then you should probably consider spending anywhere from fifty dollars to $100,000 on a consulting group such as ourselves to put these documents together for you because it's really a big undertaking and you want to make sure that you're doing it right. <laughs> nice. Shameless plug. More than a shameless plug, though. I think Nick has a great point in that we prepared hundreds of pages of documents for these people, a lot of back and forth with them to ensure that the details were right. But if you're trying to get all those resources and team together in a limited time frame uh, and write that application, you're probably going to want to seek out lots of help in order to do so. Yeah. And, and to be clear, these hundreds of pages of information, it's not information that the average person can just sit down and fill out over time. You know, They're going to ask you how you plan on cultivating, You know, how you plan on running the security of your dispensary. These are a lot of things that the average Joe doesn't know. And even if you've maybe had an underground grow or a basement grow or you've, you've been involved in this industry somehow and you think you know your stuff, that's only one aspect of it. There are a lot of other things that you know we've learned over, over the years and not <clears throat> to make a shameless plug for us. There are a number of great consulting firms out there, but I would seriously suggest looking into professional help for your application if you're going to invest that much time and money. Very nice. Uh, guys, we're going to pick back up with this for a few minutes before getting on to SOAM when we come back. But uh, we need to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Thank you again for listening. Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Looking to capitalize your cannabis business? You need the help of professionals who know the ins and outs of this industry and can help your business grow. You need the Green Consulting Group. 
We grow cannabis based in Colorado and working nationwide. We are experts in business strategy and understand the intricacies of operating within existing regulatory structures of this burgeoning industry. We offer business planning and market analysis, dispensary and cultivation management, marijuana license preparation, and regulatory compliance services. The Green Consulting Group are your consummate cannabis consultants and advocates, offering customized, cutting-edge professional consulting services to the cannabis industry. Find out how we can help you by visiting the Green Consulting Group at greenebiz.com. Green Consulting Group does not constitute legal or other professional advice on any subject and always recommends seeking the advice of independent counsel and business professionals. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network, CannabisRadio.com. The conversation continues. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hi. And welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce. Before the break, we were talking with Maz and Nick about the application process in Illinois for licensed medical marijuana businesses. Uh, as they were talking, it's a lot of a lot of process, a lot of documents to put together, requires a lot of resources, but it's not like that everywhere. And so to expand beyond Illinois, can you guys talk about maybe that application process as it compares to others we've seen around the country? Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's it's very interesting. We've helped clients in Massachusetts. Washington, Colorado, Nevada, and Illinois now. And um, two of those states were a lot entirely different, really, than the other. It's Colorado and Washington. The application process was really quite um, limited. Um, Especially superficial in Washington. And uh, I think the reason for that is something going back to each state's decision on how they want to set up their industry The state of Washington decided that they were going to have 334 dispensaries, but they didn't really care how many uh, cultivators or processors there would be. So they didn't need this in-depth application process. Outside of production limits and space and things like that, but you're right. There were low barriers to entry in that market, right? Same thing you have here in Colorado where the MED application is relatively simple and your local applications aren't all that much more involved generally. Uh, because the state of Colorado doesn't have a cap on the amount of businesses. They're very free market in that regard. They're willing to give you the license, let you set up your business and fail. Um, that's perfectly acceptable to them. They get their fees every year. They get their application fees, and they're happy that way. But states like Illinois, Nevada, Massachusetts, they're trying to limit their programs. This is all big, new, and scary to them. And so Illinois only wanted 60 dispensaries, 21 cultivators. Uh, Nevada had, I believe, 60-odd dispensaries and an unknown number of producers and processors. So when you're trying to limit the program, that's when this sort of application process that we were just involved in in Illinois really comes into the picture. When you're building these hundreds of pages, operation manuals, cultivation guides, all of those things because – they have to make a decision on the limited number of licenses that they're going to give out. 
And so they want to have as much information as possible in front of them to make sure that they're making the best decision and giving the best candidate the licenses that they're going to issue. Mm-hmm. And, and some of these states even have penalties. Like Illinois had a, had a penalty if you didn't get your operation up and running in a period of time, mm-hmm. right? You could lose your you license. You could lose your license. There was a monetary fine. Um, they, you know, they, they do all these things because they really want to make sure that whoever they give a license to knows what they're doing. But guys, do you have a value judgment on which of these is better, a highly competitive limited market or a lowly competitive low barrier to entry? Uh, well, I mean, in the past, for example, Massachusetts, we've seen that a highly uh, competitive program or uh, application process doesn't necessarily uh, select the best candidates. Uh, you know, I don't know if the listeners out there are familiar with what happened with Senator Delahunt and his applications, but uh, it, it came out that basically, you know, his applications weren't reviewed as thoroughly as uh, one would hope, and that a lot of the things fell through the crack, and as a result, he's had to resign from many of those applications. I think that's a problem with uh, a lack of help uh, and a a lack of time commitment at the bureaucratic level. I mean, they're reviewing hundreds of pages of documents. They really need to sit down and read these things. So it's, I don't know, maybe they're asking for too much. Certainly could be. It's, um, you know, kind of a false question in that we haven't really seen one of these states open up. Massachusetts was not the first to have a large competitive process, but really the first nationwide one. I think you'd have to look back to the New Mexico process when they first opened up, but they didn't require nearly um, that level of documentation, to my understanding. You could also look at some of the New England markets, but they're such small, uh, self-contained markets that you really can't get a good grasp of how the industry works, as you can, say, in Colorado. Um, so really, I think we'll be able to determine that once Nevada and Illinois get up and running. Um, but as a young Republican and conservative thinker, I have to think that letting the free market decide when to own a business and which businesses are going to be successful has to be the best way, yeah. as opposed to letting a bureaucrat who doesn't know <laughs> his ass from marijuana <laughs> determine who is going to run a business. Yeah, I mean, I, I think these states are eventually going to strike a balance between uh, bare-bones applications and inundating their, their employees with hundreds of documents concerning that information the that they don't know. Limits, uh, yeah. We found that in Massachusetts as well as in Illinois. No, but right. Yeah. It, there's been a problem in these competitive ones. People want to provide as much information as possible so to show that they're the best business. And that usually leads to lots of pages of applications. We, we, I was just trying to get their opinion on some value judgment. I don't know that there's a better system. I think the free market probably is better. It probably le- leads to less politics being involved. Um, Soham looked like he had a, an opinion on this too. So we're going to wrap him in, bring him in for the rest of the show. Why don't you give us your thoughts on this? And we'll move on to CCX. I mean, I think it's just where where the bureaucrats want to deal with competition in the market is really the question at hand. If they're limiting the number of licensees and creating a large barrier to entry, they're making the competitive part of being in the market just getting into the market, the application process. Whereas, as Nick pointed out here in Colorado, there's low, there's minimal barriers to entry, or in Washington, there's minimal barriers to entry. And the competition is actually happening in the market. Now, Washington is somewhat of a hybrid system because they put a cap on canopy space as well as retail stores, but they've still allowed enough licensees that the market can flourish. So I think, yeah, it, it is. it probably will like remain to be seen which one is better, but 
uh, at the end of the day, Colorado's market has flourished over the past five years because regulators took the competitive part out of the application process and let the consumers and zoning and other regulatory, you know, implications decide who is going to stay in business and who is not. But the market decides. The invisible hand. I mean, and we can go back to Adam Smith. Absolutely. I think that's a great point, Song. I think it's really nice. Um, so before this break, and then we'll finish up in the last segment, tell us a little bit more about the Cannabis Commodities Exchange and, and really more about these recent events you've been attending and what kind of things we have going on with the exchange. Sure. Well, I'll start, uh, I guess, chronologically from, from Washington, where we had uh, both uh, Josh and Moz did a great job of doing uh, outreach and, and creating some brand recognition uh, throughout the entire state, throughout the month of July. And then the three of us returned there for Canacon in, in August. What was Canacon? Uh, Canacon is a large business-to-business four-day trade show at the Tacoma Dome in downtown Tacoma. And uh, it was a really great event. There was a lot of uh, a lot of I-502 licensees and applicants that were there learning about the industry. What's I-502? Sorry, so we just no, no, we don't know fine. the education level of our audience. So we of want to make course. Sure that- uh, initiative 502 uh, was the initiative that was passed in November 2012 in Washington, which, uh, le- which legalized the consumption and regulation of, of cannabis for anyone over the age of 21. Very nice. Sorry, continue. Yeah, no problem. So we, uh, we got to talk to a lot of 502 licensees. Um, because of the, you know, the mandatory separation in the supply chain that they have there where you, you cannot own a retail license and also own either a producer or processor license. That creates a huge void in the supply chain, which is uh, where we got a lot of positive feedback for our exchange. People need a centralized wholesale marketplace so they have transparency and price stability. Um, in Washington right now, with the way the licensing process has played out for processors and producers, uh, and especially out east of east of the Cascades, uh, throughout the, the majority of the state of Washington, where they have sunshine, and that's really where a lot of that uh, production would be coming from. They have a lot of zoning and licensing issues with with the local jurisdictions there, so it's created a real uh, you know choke point in the supply chain. So prices are really high. Um, the taxation that they they impose by the LCB is is also inhibiting the market a little bit, where they're charging twenty five percent at each level. So producer to processor is a 25% excise tax. Processor to retailer is a 25% excise tax. Retailer to consumer is a 25% excise tax. Um, according to federal guidelines, excise tax is not even deductible. So, you know, they're really getting gouged on that. They also, the state wants to make sure that they get their tax money. So businesses are not allowed to sell the product, whether at wholesale or at retail for anything less than they paid for it. So these these prices are getting passed on to the retailers and then on to the consumers. Um, and then just because of the supply, you see, you know, inflated price per pound. Where in Colorado, we see an average between medical and retail at about $2,200, $2,300 per pound. Uh, in Washington, that was, you know, upwards of $4,000, $5,000 we got there. Before I left, the, the highest price I had heard was $10,000 for a pound of flour. And let's just give us a little time frame. We were there over the summer, this July of 2014. You were there recently, August, August of 2014. August September as well. Recently, it looks like some of the supply issues have been solved by a lot of the big croptober harvests that have, that have happened uh, since really the end of September and, and into October. And that'll probably continue to, to really stabilize some of the prices. Uh, so hopefully we can see that happen. But before we left, I mean, I had heard retail prices in a store of $135 for an eighth after taxes, which is 
crazy. And so let's uh, let's break this down, and then we'll we'll go to break and come back and and uh, pick this up. But we have we have an online wholesale trading platform for cannabis with the Cannabis Commodities Exchange. Uh, what I want to talk about when we come back from break is the differences between Colorado's regulatory system and Washington, and how our exchange feeds into that. Uh, but yeah, Soam has gotten given us a nice update on what things have been looking like as Washington has opened up as recreational market. I mean, there have been quite a big hiccup, and a lot of them deal with supply and regulatory issues. Uh, for now, we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a moment. Thanks for listening. Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Chronicling the latest cannabis industry news and headlines. Welcome to the State of Cannabis. Bringing you fact-based news and views and keeping listeners on the pulse of what's happening in the industry today. Advocates and analysts will join us to discuss the ongoing path to reform and legislation. The State of Cannabis. On demand anytime, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, a fitness writer, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Like many of the million people who are living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every single day. And sometimes my nerves are so raw that if you brushed up against me in an elevator, I'd scream. I can't sleep at night from the pain, and sometimes the spasms in my legs are so intense they will wake me up throughout the night. I've tried the strongest prescription medications available, and I'm going to tell you, they do not work. In fact, they leave me in a stupor, and most of the time, it's impossible to even live your life. Now, I've tried medical marijuana, and I'm going to tell you something, it works. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. The conversation continues. Welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce, presented by GreenBiz.com, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hi again, and welcome back to Cannabis and Commerce. My name is Josh Miller, and I'm your host for today. I'm joined with Maziar Momeni, Nicholas Brait, and Soham Shah, three of my colleagues and very good friends. Uh, we've been talking about our Green Consulting Group, some application work in Illinois, how systems have developed beyond that nationwide. And we, before break, we're talking with Soham Shah about our cannabis commodities exchange, the market in Washington. And, and so we're breaking down the, the objective of our exchange. Uh, can you talk about the differences between what we've seen in Colorado and what we see in Washington and the way the regulatory systems are set up and how that has affected our exchange? Sure. So, uh, Colorado's uh, retail system is really built on the, on the medical system of business licensing, seed-to-sale tracking, and what we call the 70-30 rule, which is a vertical integration uh, mandate, which requires that any retail store uh, produce 70% of the product that it ultimately sells. Um, so that really only leaves 30% of the market for wholesale transactions, which kind of restricts the activity that can happen on our wholesale platform. Now, as of September 30th, the retail system uh, got rid of the 70-30 rule. So as of now, uh, independent cultivation facilities will be allowed to open. There won't be any uh, caps necessarily like the 70-30 rule on how much of your own product you have to, to produce or how much you can sell. 
Uh, so that was something that was restrictive in the beginning. I mean, something restrictive about this is right is that people who are growing have to sell a certain amount in their own store, right? Yeah. And so, as far as a wholesale platform goes, we may have been a little earlier. At least we were tapping into just a small market. Oh, yeah. Is, do you think it's true that another one of the issues we faced here in Colorado is that the people doing wholesale with each other in ways are also competitors of each other? You know, they have to do business at times, but they also compete. Absolutely. I mean, uh, if somebody had, like by law has to have a cultivation facility and a retail store, sometimes they're going to have uh, just enough to meet their own demand. Sometimes they're going to have a surplus, at which point they'll call up somebody, potentially a competitor, and sell it to them. Or sometimes they'll have a shortage at some which point they'll call somebody, probably a competitor, and see if that person has a surplus. So that you're absolutely right. And uh, you know the other issue with that is it just doesn't allow for specialization in the supply chain, which is reflective of most other industries. For example, uh, if a liquor store required to produce seventy percent of the spirits sold in its store, how would they be able to uh, you know guarantee the quality and consistency that consumers today demand? Right. It would not certainly possible. be a different industry as we know it, right? And so let's talk about Washington where there is that specialization. What's going on there with their licenses? So Washington has created a separation between the production and the retail side of it. So in, in Washington, you're allowed to apply for either a producer, a processor, or both of those licenses. Producers can cultivate it. Processors can process it if they're approved to, to make extractions or they can package it and brand it and label it and then sell it to a retailer at wholesale. Retailers are only allowed to sell to consumers and buy from processors. Uh, their employees are not allowed to show or allow consumers to smell the product. They're not allowed to make any claims as to the effects of the products because they did not cultivate it themselves. So it's a little bit different. Uh, it places a lot more emphasis on branding because ultimately what we've seen here in Colorado is that uh, how people recognize cannabis is based off a brand name. And that brand name is usually tied to the cultivator. Or now, the, the store, right? Or the store, which here, because of our 70-30 rule, is then tied to their own in-house cultivator. Right. Exactly. You're right. Sorry, that was like a, a gap there. But that's it. The brand here in Colorado are the stores right now. Right? Absolutely. Um, in, in Washington, they're allowing for branding to happen at a cultivation level, a producer or a processor level. And just by separating those different levels of the supply chain, they allow cultivators to be the best at cultivating, processors to be the best at processing and packaging, and retailers to be able to provide the best consumer purchase experience, which is how most other industries work. Absolutely. At least in theory, that's the way that this should work. So we're trying to gain traction both in Colorado and in Washington in these two different markets. But um, where do you think, before we have to finish up, where do you think we're going to have most success and maybe why? Or do you think do you think we'll have success in both places? It just may take some time. I think we will have success in both places. We've established a strong presence here in Colorado uh, through the consulting group, through the exchange, and through some of the other products uh, projects we're working on. Um, and Washington, we've also established a good brand name right at the launch of their retail system. Uh, and there is an absolute need for our product. And with the, the removal of the 70-30 rule here in Colorado, it really opens up a lot of opportunity for us. Absolutely. No, I like it. I think those are really great thoughts. Uh, I think that's going to have to be it for our show today. But these guys are all good friends and close partners. They're going to be a part of our audience, especially Nick and Maz. But so on, we work very closely with as well. Uh, we need to bring you back on sooner than later because we didn't get to talk about some of the things that happened recently 
recently with Tech Startup Weekend. Soham is a mini celebrity. He was on the nightly news. I think uh, it was September 27th. September 27th. Go look at the NBC Nightly News website and find him. As for the rest of us, we enjoyed and appreciate you listening. I thank you guys for joining us. Nick has a final closing thought, sorry. Green Consulting Group, CCX. We're going to be at the MJ Business Daily Canna Business Conference and Expo, November 12th through the 14th in Las Vegas, Nevada. And the members of two of the members of GCG will also be at the Cannabis Grand Crew, November 14th through 16th in beautiful Aspen, Colorado. We suggest you check out both events, buy some tickets, and uh, come hang out with us. Very nice. And we promise uh, the shameless plug portion of the show will be at the very end or uh, very limited throughout. Uh, but we appreciate you all your time uh, and for listening to us. Until next time, this is Cannabis and Commerce. I'm your host, Josh Miller. And whatever you're doing out there, just continue fighting for a little more freedom. Thanks again. Talk soon. The opinions and thoughts expressed by the Green Consulting Group and its guests on this radio show do not constitute legal or other professional advice on any matter. We always recommend that listeners seek the advice of independent counsel. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.